Discover FX's Shogun, the official podcast available now. Every legend begins with a story. Listen and explore episode by episode the story of war, passion, and power set in feudal Japan. Join host Emily Yoshida each week with the creators, cast, and crew in this exclusive companion podcast. They dive deep into the twists and turns of the plot, go behind the scenes, and explore the real-life history that informed the limited series based on James Clavell's best-selling novel. Search FX's Shogun wherever you listen to podcasts. Tax season is approaching, bringing potential extra cash your way. Rather than spending it all on an expensive deal filled with yada yada from your current wireless plan, consider switching to Metro by T-Mobile for no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada you don't take yada yada in life don't take yada yada from your wireless provider metro by t-mobile has no contracts no credit checks no surprises and nada yada yada stop by one of over six thousand metro stores nationwide this episode is brought to you by alienware during dell tech fest score game-changing innovations with limited time deals on select next-gen alienware gaming tech new dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the alienware m18 laptop powered by an intel core i9 processor featuring awe-inspiring visuals liquid cooling three-dimensional audio with dolby atmos and impressive overclocking potential your dream setup amazing prices and free shipping await you for a limited time only at alienware deals. That's alienware.com slash deals. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello. Welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. Our colleague Noel is not joining us today, but he will be returning shortly. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deccant. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. Now, Matt, you and I, in planning this episode, we... I think each individually experienced a series of deja vu moments. Would you agree? Uh, yes. This is a topic that feels as though we've done four episodes on it because of how often we've spoken about this and how deep uh, our personal research has gone into this subject and person. Yeah, we do have some personal skin in the game here on a number of fronts to be completely transparent. Um, But, you know, let's start here. It's true. Governments do cover things up. Governments do spin alternate narratives uh, in that you don't have to be uh, a dyed-in-the-wool true believer or a skeptic to accept that as fact because, like gravity, it's real. (laughs) At least governments do attempt 
right? Attempt to try to cover up some stuff. Uh, and it happens constantly. In today's episode, we are exploring the story of a controversial man, a figure who claims he has firsthand knowledge of a cover-up so vast, so sophisticated, and so incredible that even to speak about it openly may put people in physical danger. His name, Bob Lazar. Here are the facts. And again, this deja vu is going to be hitting me the entire time we're, we're talking about this. We're just going to scratch the surface. This is kind of an introduction to the front uh, door of the rabbit hole. And we want to hear from you at the end. Matt, riddle me this. Who is Bob Lazar? Bob Lazar is the subject of a Joe Rogan interview that I think is one of the top episodes <laughs> that's ever come out, along with our friend Jeremy Corbell. Yes. Um, so if you know about him, it is likely that perhaps you only know about Bob Lazar because of that interview, because of the popularity of that show. Uh, but Bob Lazar is a real person, a human being, mm -hmm. just like you and me and Ben. Uh, okay, so <laughs> Bob, <Moving> Lazar, <laughs> Bob Lazar's full name is Robert Scott Lazar. He was born January 26th in 1959, just a couple years older than my parents. Um, he was in Florida where he was born. He had some parents, Phyllis and Albert. He went to junior college at this place called the Pierce Junior College in Los Angeles. And according to Bob, like to his own words, he has a master's in physics from MIT, perhaps the most prestigious technology focused school on the planet. He also, according to his own words, has a master's in electronic technology from Caltech, another rather prestigious university. Yeah. And uh, note here, folks, how how we're framing that, Matt. Matt saying, we know he went to Pierce Junior College, uh, and we know that he says uh, he has those uh, degrees from MIT and Caltech. Here's the thing you're going to deal with anytime you look into the case of Bob Lazar. You're going to find that details can get a bit murky. Uh, so right now, for now, we're going to stick with what can be universally, inarguably proven, matters of acknowledged fact. It is true, it is a fact, that in 1982, Bob Lazar was working for a company that was a contractor providing support staff for a place called Los Alamos Mason Physics Facility. It's part of the Los Alamos National Laboratory. And, you know, as you can tell from the name, it's located in Los Alamos, New Mexico. It's a real place. It is not housed in Area 51, which we'll get to, but is instead in a place called Technical Area 53, which is also a weirdly oh, creepy name. Yeah. So close to 51. So close. So close. <laughs> so close. When it was uh, built, it was the world's most powerful linear accelerator. So think of CERN, something like CERN, but as a straight line rather than a loop. And... This is a big deal. This is a good science. It's legitimate. Uh, it opened in June of 1972. So when Bob joins up in 1982, this facility is about 10 years old. They've been at it for a while. It's not their first rodeo. No, it's not. Just quickly, let's just talk about particle accelerators because 
at that time in good God, in, in the seventies and eighties, particle accelerators, that's some of the peak science that's occurring, right? At least when you're, oh, yeah. when you're speaking about the science of the very small science of the subatomic and trying to understand what does an atom break down into that's intense cutting edge stuff. So it, it shouldn't, I mean, we don't, I don't know exactly what his contract work was through that contractor for that facility doing that work. But in order to be working there at that facility, you do have to know what you're doing if you're actually involved in the science. Yeah, no chumps in the squad. As, as we say here, that, that applies at an even more extreme level when you get to the rarefied air of this sort of science. And I love the point you're making, Matt, because this seems like pretty awesome work, right? It's, it's oh, yeah. also, it, it's bleeding edge science at this time. And it's also the kind of experimentation that doesn't seem fraught with moral quandary. Right. We're just learning more about the universe uh, that we're not, you know, experimenting on animals or people, which the U.S. has done before. Unfortunately, not everything is trumpets and angel farts for our pal Bob. Uh, a few years later, in 1986, you see public records of a bankruptcy filing in Las Vegas. And during that time. Uh, in those descriptions, Lazar lists his occupation as a self-employed film processor. So at some point, he parts ways with Los Alamos. Uh, and then he starts his own business, a company that is around today called United Nuclear Scientific Supplies. United Nuclear Scientific Supplies, or United Nuclear for short, is like it's an online site. It's a, it's a mail order thing. You can go to that website right now and you can order all kinds of interesting stuff. Uh, we are pulling it up right now, just so you and I and everybody listening along can take a look. Uh, the first thing you see on the website, it's definitely like a more old school online store. The first thing you see is a list of miscellaneous nuclear items. Uh, Matt, this is where we get to play with our proxies and see if you and I are in different search bubbles. Uh, oh, well, it checked my it checked my browser uh, before it allowed me in, so that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing, but you and I, you and I use uh, maybe not the normal browsers. Uh, well, I do. Hey, man, I'm on Safari right now. I'll tell you, I'm on Safari <laughs> and I'm seeing a Geiger counter test card, yep. a bunch of items that are created to be, they appear to be radioactive, um, marbles and Fiesta wear. But I'm also seeing thorium nitrate on sale, which is mm -hmm. interesting. Wait, I'm seeing uranium, high purity yes. uranium sample for collectors and display. The purity is 98.5% and it's only 50 bucks. Yeah, but it's not a lot of it, you know. What? Uh, what? <laughs> why, am I, why am I trying to make it sound more reasonable? Yeah, uranium acetate, uranium dioxide, uranium metal, uh, three gram sample. All the hits, you know. They've got uh, yellow cake on this sucker. Uranium peroxide mm -hmm. for only 15 bucks. Yeah, again, it's not a ton of it, though. You're not ordering kilograms. Maybe there's a price break. I don't know. Maybe you could write and ask if there's a price break. But as we'll see, uh, with good reason, 
Lazar and the staff of United Nuclear might be a little suspicious of someone saying, hey, I saw the yellow cake. Can we move weight on this? You know, how, how much is the whole cake? <laughs> I'm attempting to purchase 20 grams of yellow cake right now. Let's okay. see. <laughs> uh, it says new customers can create an account. I wonder if you have to put in some kind of associated, you know, university or company information, or you could just, as a regular old person, buy yellow cake. This is scary. I don't like this. I'm leaving. Well, you can also buy mugs. You know, <laughs> uh, like it's not, you, you know, it's it's not all science kit stuff. Uh, but yeah, uh, you can buy gallium. You can get some cool stuff like liquid metal alloy, which is gallium, indium, and tin. That's neat. You know, it looks very T2000, uh, but it's not as dangerous for you as mercury, um, which isn't saying much. Anyway, that part (laughs) we can prove. Yeah, that part we can prove. United Nuclear Scientific Supplies is a real thing. It's around today. They send a bunch of uh, scientific equipment, chemicals, substances to students, to instructors, to scientists, of course, and interestingly enough, also to law enforcement professionals. I imagine a lot of the law enforcement connection or business comes from things like radiation detection kits of some sort. Uh, There's nothing wrong with this at all, by the way. This is all legal. uh, And a lot of people in the audience today will rightly say, well, starting your own business, guys, that's something people call the American dream or part of it. Yeah. Once you can, you know, buy a house from under some hedge fund, <laughs> uh, start, you could start your own company. That's the next step, right? Uh, but not for nothing do we say Bob Lazar is considered pretty controversial. If you've heard of him, odds are that you have not heard about, you've not heard about him as the guy who will sell you shards of uranium. We're going to get to the big controversies and the reasons you've heard this name in the past. But before we do, let's look at some of the smaller controversies. So Matt, earlier, we talked about how Lazar claims to have attended MIT and Caltech uh, in a couple of different times in the past. He stated this. Those institutions have no official record of his attendance. And this, like already we're seeing uh, the narratives start to diverge because if you are a hardcore supporter of Lazar and you believe the entirety of his claims, then you won't be surprised that people who agree with you say a shadowy government force or shadowy institution of some sort has erased his records. Just to be clear, there are UFOlogists who do not agree with Lazar, and one of them is a guy named Stanton Friedman. Stanton Friedman did some digging, did some due diligence, and concluded that it was incredibly unlikely that someone or some force could have erased the entirety of someone's attendance at an institution, at least during this time. I'm sure it was much easier back during you know the 1800s or something. Well, especially to get a master's degree, right? Mm -hmm. There are a lot of people at even the most prestigious colleges and universities getting or on track to get a bachelor's degree, right? And then there are many fewer attempting to get a master's degree. 
And then way many fewer attempt to get a doctorate, right? So it's just, if as you whittle those down, it's less and less likely that one of those upper echelon tiers can be completely expunged. Right. Yeah. Again, rarefied air. It's difficult to get there. As any of our fellow listeners with a master's degree or PhD is well aware. Uh, so another thing, Lazar has described himself as working as a physicist during his time at Los Alamos. And there are people who dispute that as well. One notable person would be Donald R. Prothero. Again, it seems that Lazar really did work at this site. But uh, per Prothero, his position as a technician for a contractor means that he did not directly work for Los Alamos, which means that the lab would not reasonably have a record of him. And this has led to confusion in the press. Uh, if you go through any of the any of the usual outlets over the past few years, the past few decades, actually, you will see some calling him, like the Smithsonian will call him a self-proclaimed physicist, and other, other outlets will simply refer to him as a physicist. So already, you know, there's some murky, shaky stuff, but the the million dollar question, the element 115 question here is why are we talking about him now? Well, it all goes back to Jeremy Corbell, dude. I don't know how and why, but Jeremy has found himself right at the center of this story and another guy that we're about to bring up, uh, George Knapp, who, who was a broadcaster in Las Vegas. He has been for a long time. He put out a report in May of 1989. It was a satellite link coming out of LV, Nevada. And boy, was this a strange report. Oh, yeah. It has all the makings of a wonderful modern folklore. A physicist, self-proclaimed or otherwise, calls George Knapp and speaks to him using uh, a pseudonym disguising his true identity. And he says that there are nine alien discs. Yes, folks, alien is in extraterrestrial vehicles, nine alien vehicles held near Groom Lake by a small faction of the U.S. government that functions autonomously. Uh, this caller uses the name Dennis. And later, the story goes, the public discovers that Dennis is, again, just a pseudonym, and Dennis is actually the name of Bob Lazar's old boss at the base. A few weeks later, Bob Lazar goes on camera, and he goes public. He uses his real name, and as Coast to Coast AM puts it, he has been the subject of worldwide curiosity, speculation, and controversy ever since. Why? Well. I'm going to pause for a word from our sponsors, and then we'll tell you. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. 
I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation vlogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Join Metro. They help you stay ahead of the game with nada, yada, yada. That means no contracts, no credit checks, and no surprises. Outsmarting yada, yada means, uh, you know, taxis and stuff. Shady subscriptions. Did you guys ever order something online and you thought it was just like a one-time purchase, but then you found yourself subscribed? Yeah, I had to call and stop payment on something because I had subscribed to it through Apple Pay. And even though I had like put a new card on there, it still was uh, tied to whatever card was associated with my Apple Pay. So I had to like go through this whole process of getting it pulled. It was really, really annoying. Well, that'll never happen with Metro by T-Mobile because you don't take yada yada in life and you're not going to take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada, helping you stay ahead without compromising on things you love the most. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. At UC San Diego, we understand that in order to turn the vast unknown into new cures or human connections or expansive culture, you have to be willing to venture further out. That's why we'll go as far as the International Space Station with cancer cells in hand and novel medicines in mind. That's why we map the seemingly randomness of forest fires and connect them with revolutionary AI to see where they'll appear next. And it's why we arrive on the San Diego shore from all over the world to bring different perspectives to our world's biggest challenges. When you push the boundaries of science, art, and culture, whole worlds open up. And at UC San Diego, that's where the real adventure starts. Learn more at ucsd.edu. Here's where it gets crazy. 
Ben, I can't believe Bob Lazar used the Dennis system so early in 1989. <laughs> Ahead of his time, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, it's maybe yeah. the first known case. Uh, uh, describe, energize, uh, nominate. I'm trying to come up with a non-Reynolds Dennis system. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. He did use the Dennis pseudonym. That part is true. And clearly the inspiration for Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Uh, he also, in 1989, his report is what puts Area 51 on the map of pop culture. And keep in mind, at this time, to be absolutely fair, the U.S. government has not officially confirmed anything about Groom Lake or Area 51, and they will not uh, for several decades, actually. Uh, this interview with George Knapp is the kind of stuff that would absolutely galvanize anybody who's a fan of the X-Files. Anybody, oh, yeah. who, like, like if you ever see this on a YouTube clip uh, or you check out video versions of our show, you'll know that Matt, Noel, and I are huge, huge fans of the X-Files. In fact, Matt regularly records with a kick-ass poster of the X-Files in every shot. Just Scully's eye looking right at you and Mulder's never looking away. Yeah. No, uh, <laughs> no we're, we're huge fans. And no, I, I just, I have to hit that point one more time that you already said, Ben. Area 51 wasn't a known thing. It was known in maybe a few circles or rumors of it, but it wasn't talked about. Like, like this is a big deal to have somebody coming forward talking about this place that is secret where there are government experiments and allegedly flying saucers. And and part of that is incontrovertibly true. There is an Area 51. There is a Groom Lake, right? There are uh, classified government projects, or there definitely were over the years. Uh, so he goes a little more specific and says he's worked at a top-secret military base called S-4 near Papoose Lake, and that his job there is to reverse engineer crashed extraterrestrial vehicles. If his claims held up under scrutiny, if they could be conclusively proven, this would be an unprecedented moment in history. This would be uh, proof that there is intelligent life beyond the confines of Earth or this dimension or however you want to put it, there's really no way to articulate how big this news would be. Dude, I mean, we're talking about taking apart an extraterrestrial vehicle in order to understand how the tech works so that the United States government or some contractor of the government could build things that would run on that same technology. If that were happening right, actually happening, and successfully, then the U.S. military would potentially be unstoppable. Oh, yeah, which it already, you know, is the <laughs> the most dangerous advanced military on Earth that we know of. Uh, this, So this gives a lot of questions to people, right? Even folks who consider themselves very much skeptical, they're hearing this or they're watching this broadcast and they're thinking, huh, what is out there exactly, right? I've never been, or even more tantalizing, I have been. 
I saw signs that turned me away and those signs looked serious. Uh, and Matt, as you know, uh, even, even today in the U.S. in Area 51, the military is not playing around. We have a couple of uh, friends, uh, contacts, we're not going to name them on air, but they have attempted to go to Area 51 and their experience was super not good. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. If, I, yeah, I do have to disagree with you minorly, Ben, because mm. our military is kind of playing around uh, in Taiwan today as we're oh, uh, yeah. recording this. <laughs> I mean, right. there's some there's some messed up stuff happening on today on Friday, August fifth, as we record this. Just we should put that in the yeah. Ether. We should do. You know what? We should do a future episode on military drills because I know it's confusing to a lot of people, right? Uh, <laughs> like, why, why are they just firing missiles uh, to the north, east, and south of Taiwan? That's weird. Why are they surrounding the area and just shooting stuff? Why is calling something a drill the equivalent of going, just saying, Yeah, you know, like add, just saying, just playing. I'm just playing with you. But you're right. You're right. Um, I think we should do an episode examining the role of military drills. It's cut, Ben. It's kind of like the equivalent of it, like a dad that gets really angry or something back in the 1970s. And instead of hitting anybody in the house, just goes outside and, outside and starts beating up the garage door or something. And <laughs> <laughs> right. just showing you their force. Uh, <laughs> just, uh, the one I heard was taking a baseball bat and just smacking it against a tree. There you go. That's exactly it. I do that all the time. <laughs> so. What's well, a good exercise? Uh, so Lazar is now a known entity. He's gone public. He shed the pseudonym. He's speaking with George Knapp. He reaches an even larger audience when he goes on uh, one of, I think, our favorite uh, radio shows growing up, the legendary Coast to Coast AM. Coast to Coast AM, if you've never checked it out, is a... For, for many years, it has been the number one radio show about things like conspiracies, allegations of the paranormal, and so on. Lazar speaks to Art Bell. And in the interest of full disclosure, Coast to Coast AM is part of the larger iHeart network, and they have some podcasts on the network, which Paul Mission Control and I work on. So it's 1992. And I remember hearing this interview, um, Lazar is a hit. His story resonates with the audience. And so from the 1990s through the early 2000s, Bob Lazar becomes a recurring guest on Coast to Coast. He also starts traveling to UFO meetups and conventions where he speaks about his story. In the meantime, while all this is happening, George Knapp, uh, the reporter who originally interviews Lazar, George Knapp becomes a recurring uh, voice on Coast to Coast, and then he becomes a guest host. Uh, he also starts producing and appearing in UFO documentaries. So that's the background. That is all proven. Now let's get to, you know, let's get to the chicken. Let's get to the red meat. What did Bob Lazar specifically claim, and what does he claim today? Uh, we went directly to the source to find out. Yeah, that's right. So Lazar claims 
Back in the day when he was working and doing this stuff, he was flown from Las Vegas in this place called McCarran Airport, about 125 miles north to Area 51, where the testing facilities are where Los Alamos is. And when he's there, he says he didn't see one. He says he saw nine of these, you know, interstellar spacecraft, these extraterrestrial craft that were housed in this specific facility called S4 that we mentioned earlier. And he's stated that he believes, like Bob Lazar believes, this is his own belief, that for a decade since before he was there, so I guess nineteen late 1970s, these craft had been sitting in there and they had been attempted to be reverse engineered by multiple people, by scientists, by contractors that are flown in to do exactly what he's doing now. Yeah, yeah. And he, he will go on to call these craft reticulant spacecraft uh, and he says that there's interesting stuff here. This is, again, directly from his website, his own words. Uh, we don't want to mischaracterize them. He says that he was briefed on, quote, technical information of alien interactions. There's an interesting wrinkle because in the next sentence, there's something that confused me a little. It says, since only the technical information was corroborated to be true during his time in the program, he, being Bob, could only assume the historic information was also true. I'm a little unclear on what that means. What is the difference between the technical and historical information? Does it mean, for instance, that he received um, diagrams, blueprints, you know, basic uh, scientific explanations, and then also heard stories about what had happened before he got there and then therefore took that as fact. That's like the most reasonable assumption. Anyway, leave that alone. There's juicier stuff. Oh, yeah. Bob claims that he not only was messing around with the spacecraft, he's saying that the government was also keeping the drivers, the pilots of those spacecraft, or at least a few of them for a time. Right. He says that there were extraterrestrial creatures of some sort, aliens that were on site and he refers to them as the kids. And he says that's what they were referred to by the the other people working there. Yeah. Which automatically for any UFO enthusiast conjures pictures of little green men. Right. Yeah. The big eyes, almost not their nose, big heads, short stature. Uh, That's. That's at least what most of our minds go to. And per Lazar, there was an arrangement between the aliens and the humans. The aliens would conduct their own research at this site in their own area, and they would do so in exchange for hardware, fuel, materials, and training. Yet, at some point in the past, Lazar reveals, the kids and their human host beefed up. They had a conflict, and this would result in the death of over 40 human personnel, including the scientists that the aliens were instructing. The extraterrestrials, the story goes, ghosted. They left the scene, and they left behind those nine spacecraft promising they would return. Like, as in, like, we're coming back to finish the job. Or, we'll see you soon. Unclear, you know? Hasta la vista, baby. Maybe maybe something like, hey, it's not you. It's me. Need some space. You know? I know we just killed, you know, a lot of you, but uh, don't worry. We're coming back. It's cool. So we'll give you some time. 
You know, think about why you made us do this. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Okay, I don't know. We might unfairly be characterizing this relationship as abusive. <laughs> but, but that's, again, that's the story. And you can see it on his website. Uh, he also goes on. And Matt, I think this was fascinating to us back in the day. He said that he had hands-on experience working with these craft, these alien vehicles, in particular, the propulsion system. This claim is interesting because, uh, unrelated to a lot of this, in an earlier interview, Lazar claimed he had invented a uh, a water-powered car, I believe. Uh, There is no uh, hard evidence of that at this time. Uh, He also claims, when he's talking about his time working with this program, he claims that he and other colleagues got this huge info dump, this uh, crash course in the secret history of the world and the solar system. Uh, The takeaway from this, now granted, Matt, you and I and uh, Noel have not ourselves been subject to these debriefings or party to them, but uh, the takeaway is that for the last 10,000 years, again, according to Bob, these extraterrestrials have been externally correcting human evolution. And for the last 15 years, at the time we received this briefing, they engaged in a direct technology exchange with the human scientists at the S4 facility. The technology exchange part is pretty interesting because you have to wonder what kind of technology could humans have that aliens would be interested in. Seriously. A microwave? Microwave, Uh, okay. Let's see, what, 89? Or or I guess 79 to 89. Snacks? Pizza? Gosh, yeah, that's it. Quesadillas? That's it, dude. Pizza, quesadillas, uh, certain types of sandwich. Uh, Hot sauce. You love hot sauce. (laughs) That's it. That's it. Capsaicin. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, because you if if these vehicles can travel to Earth through the vast distances, especially from reticuli, which mm-hmm. is a binary star system uh, far, far away. <laughs> if you could get here through with those, you know, vehicles or even a larger vehicle, much larger vehicle, taking a bunch of these tiny ones across that vast distance of space and time, then yeah, no technology that we've got on this planet is going to be awesome unless you're talking about culture as a technology, uh, music, mm. maybe we had some really, I mean, we did have some pretty awesome music at that time that came out of the sixties. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's what it was. It was an exchange of <laughs> incredible technology that became these smartphones that we all have right now. Uh, that's what we got. And they got Led Zeppelin. Oh yeah. No. Okay. Wait, no, that's the answer. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, also one one thing to say the quiet part out loud. Uh one thing that's not often acknowledged in these conversations is that yes, technology suppression is real. Uh it's maybe not as insidious as it's often characterized, but it is true that there is technology well ahead of the curve in various fields uh that the public doesn't have access to yet. Uh smartphones were around before the public knew they were around. So that that part is true. And that's, again, it's not necessarily sinister. It's just R&D can take a while, you know. Uh, 
But that doesn't prove what Bob Lazar is saying. Uh, he also goes on to outline, and this is, folks, this is literally the homepage of the website. He goes on to outline the purported mechanics of these craft, because again, he says he focused on working with the propulsion system. And he claims the power source is element 115. This this is not the same thing as the element 115 on the human periodic table. Our civilization knows element 115 as Muscovium. Uh, this was first created in 2003, uh, and it was added to the periodic table in 2015. So what that means is at the time that Bob Lazar was talking about this as a power source, element 15 was not official on the human periodic table. Yeah. I mean, that's, in, that's intense, right? It would be. But again, the element 115 he's talking about is not the element 115 we're talking about. He's talking about something completely different. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, uh, there's another thing that Bob goes into when it comes to the tech. Things like, when, uh, at least how these uh, aircraft function, these spacecraft and he talks about things like gravity amplifiers as a way to move and to like make the ships do the kinds of movement that has allegedly been observed by like Navy pilots and stuff. And some of the videos uh, that we've seen in recent years, um, there's what is, uh, some process to move craft inside and outside of Earth's atmosphere. So like if you imagine entering the atmosphere of a planet, like diving into an ocean or something right from the air to the mm -hmm. ocean. It's like from space into the atmosphere. Um, and you, I've, you can hear Bob make these claims. You can see it written in several places. So this is, I mean, that's really what he claimed. Yeah. Yeah. The, the idea, the science behind transmedium propulsion. Basically. Yes, exactly. Uh, this is a lot to take in. You know, and at this point, again, to be objective, we have to note no other scientist nor any official governmental or military organization has directly corroborated these specific claims, at least not publicly. If anyone had, again, this would immediately become the biggest story in human history. For several years after he went public, Lazar functioned in a uh, kind of Wait for it. Liminal space. He was a very well-known character in, <laughs> in ufology circles, uh, but you probably wouldn't have known much about him unless you were already plugged into that sphere and that community, right? If you are a UFO enthusiast during this time, someone says Bob Lazar and you immediately have an opinion. If you are not uh, someone who looks into the world of UFOs and the allegations of that phenomenon, then Bob Lazar is just a name to you. But this all changes. A few years back, there is a renaissance of the case of Bob Lazar. And it is, uh, I, I would say it is primarily due to a documentary made by our pal and recurring guest on our show, Jeremy Corbell. Oh, yes. It's you can watch it right now. It's titled Bob Lazar colon Area 51 and Flying Saucers. It was put out in 2018, and then there were a lot of appearances, like we like we mentioned at the top of this episode on Rogan and other places, where Bob and Jeremy 
talked openly about the claims that Bob has made and about the process of making this documentary and like Jeremy attempting to, you know, be as objective as he can while also uh, investigating Bob, like investigating Bob in and just letting Bob tell the story. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Jeremy Corbell also works closely with George Knapp, who conducted that original interview in 1989. So this documentary, which you can see um, in multiple online platforms, this documentary introduces a new global audience to the case of Bob Lazar. And I, I really like the way you describe you describe it, Matt. But it's it's something you should check out yourself and uh, get back to us or get back to Jeremy with for feedback. Uh, it it leads a lot of people, some skeptics, some with their own pre existing ideas about UAP or UFOs, to weigh in with their own interpretations. As you can imagine, many people found this documentary for one reason or another controversial. And they didn't all agree in uh, what they saw as controversial about this. So we leave it to you to let us know what you think in that regard. But right now, we're going to take a break for a word from our sponsors, and we'll come back and ask one of the bigger questions. What can we prove? Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features, like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Join Metro. They help you stay ahead of the game with nada, yada, yada. That means no contracts, no credit checks, and no surprises. Outsmarting yada, yada means, uh, you know, taxis and stuff. Shady subscriptions. Did you guys ever order something online and you thought it was just like a one-time purchase, but then 
you found yourself subscribed? Yeah, I had to call and stop payment on something because I had subscribed to it through Apple Pay. And even though I had like put a new card on there, it still was uh, tied to whatever card was associated with my Apple Pay. So I had to like go through this whole process of getting it pulled. It was really, really annoying. Well, that'll never happen with Metro by T-Mobile because you don't take yada yada in life and you're not going to take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada, helping you stay ahead without compromising on things you love the most. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. At UC San Diego, we understand that in order to turn the vast unknown into new cures or human connections or expansive culture, you have to be willing to venture further out. That's why we'll go as far as the International Space Station with cancer cells in hand and novel medicines in mind. That's why we map the seemingly randomness of forest fires and connect them with revolutionary AI to see where they'll appear next. And it's why we arrive on the San Diego shore from all over the world to bring different perspectives to our world's biggest challenges. When you push the boundaries of science, art, and culture, whole worlds open up. And at UC San Diego, that's where the real adventure starts. Learn more at ucsd.edu. We've returned. Uh, this is a little bit of deep water. We're going to be objective here. As we always say, as Matt and Noel and I are always pointing out, you have to look at the source. That's why we're giving you information directly from Bob Lazar's website. And we also want to avoid character assassination, unearned smearing of character, especially if it's unrelated to the claims we uh, we just explored. But there is some stuff that is, frankly, baggage uh, for Lazar. It's not related necessarily to his claims regarding extraterrestrials. No, but it what it what it does is it's 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 like stuff that would come up on a report about you if you were applying for a lease, right, or a yeah. new loan. Like this is stuff that would show up in a, in a report. So we we do kind of have to. I think we do have to talk about it. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you, man. Um, all right. So first things first, institutions that he has said he worked with or studied at either can't confirm his specific claim or they have no record of him being there. Uh, we, can, we can say conclusively he did attend Pierce Junior College. But after that, with the Caltech and the MIT degrees, there simply appears to be no record. Second, uh, he was on the wrong side of the law a few times. Once in 1990, Bob Lazar was arrested for allegedly aiding and abetting a prostitution ring. Uh, those charges were later reduced uh, to something called felony pandering. He pled guilty and uh, got 150 hours of community service. So he never did hard time or anything like that. But I have no idea yeah. what felony pandering is. I, I can't even either. conceptualize what that is. I don't want to make light of it, um, but yeah, 
it's got this implication that there's just regular pandering or there's misdemeanor pandering, regular oh, here, pandering. Here. I've got an article that says, what is pandering and why is it a crime in Georgia? <laughs> okay. Uh, RIP your search history, but go on. <laughs> Matt's doing this for all of us. Uh, it's from the Family Law and Criminal Defense Attorneys of Lankford and Moore Law. It says the definition of pandering is to gratify or indulge, and usually someone is pandering when they are simply saying what they think you want them to say. Hold on. Huh? What? <laughs> we might have to put a pin in this one. It's listed as a sexual offense, it says under Georgia Criminal Code, pandering by compulsion, by duress or coercion, causing a person to perform an act of prostitution. Okay. All right. That's a little more, the criminal connection is a little more mm -hmm. clear there. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. So we've got that figured out. It <laughs> Sorry. Is... <laughs> it was hurting me. It's hurting my head. Yeah. No, no. We did the right thing. And again, my condolences to your search history. So... <laughs> <laughs> So uh, there, there is a story and a narrative regarding this event in 1990. Supporters of Lazar will claim that this was all an attempt to smear his character, to call into question his reliability. Still, the case is officially on the books. And that's not even the big incident. Because third... There's the government raid. Well, there are two government raids. Then <laughs> these also really happened. Yeah, well, we, we talked about the story. We looked at its website and the contents and the things you can buy. And you could imagine that the government might have taken issue with old United Nuclear Scientific a couple times. Uh, remember, this is, this is a store that sells things like yellow cake. Like the thing mm -hmm. that was held up. You remember that one time? Yellow cake? Yeah, but just This is why little, we got to go into <laughs> Little Iraq. amounts. It's fun size yellow cake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, like yeah, the yeah. Halloween candy version of yellow cake. <laughs> yes. Um, so this store operated, I guess operates, at least at the time when there was a raid. It was operating out of New Mexico, um, and then it changed to operate out of Michigan. And at least according to our records, Ben, we believe it's run out of Oregon right now. Uh, in 2019, they announced they're moving to Oregon. Uh, yeah, in 2003, a raid occurred. Uh, the Consumer Product and Safety Commission executed a raid, which I, I was not aware they would do, uh, because he had sold some chemicals that were typically used in the manufacture of illegal fireworks. And he sold these to federal agents. Lazar in an interview said that during the raid, he heard some fishy stuff because the SWAT team said, and this is a quote, this is total BS. It's nothing like they told us in the briefing. So according to federal court records, Associated with this raid, uh, a few years later in 2006, Lazar officially pleads guilty to violating the Federal Hazardous Substances Act. And this is, you know, this is not like murdering someone. Uh, he gets a $7,500 fine and is sentenced to three years federal probation, which is not a walk in the park, but it's better than incarceration. Well, it's not a walk in the park, but I have to say... I. Kind of on the side of the Consumer Product and Safety Commission a little bit here, 
just after looking at the site and what what it's offering in 2022. I feel like at least somebody needs to be keeping a close eye on those chemicals and substances that are on sale. Um, but, you know, a raid, keeping an eye on things and raiding a facility, those are two very different things, right? Yeah, and it's not really a, you know, a question of morality at that point. It's, it's a pretty clear law, right? Unless, again, you believe this is part of a cover-up or a smear campaign, or you believe that the feds were after something different. In 2017, United Nuclear is raided again by local police in Michigan, I believe, in coordination with the FBI. Uh, Lazar and his advocates think this was very suspicious, uh, both in the timing and in the official explanation. The, uh, Lazar, and, and Jeremy has said this too, Jeremy Corbell has also said things along this line, Lazar uh, maintains that the FBI was attempting to recover samples of something that Lazar may or may not have taken from Area 51. That would be element 115, again, not Muscovium. The idea is, or the theory is that Lazar was under government surveillance and has been for quite a while, and that this raid was the latest in a decades-long harassment campaign, character assassination campaign against Lazar by the U.S. government. And and here, Matt, I think we can we can refer to an excellent piece about this by a journalist named Tim McMillan writing for Vice. Tim went and uh, obtained the official records of the raid, and he spoke with law enforcement, all who would speak with him. And from those records that this journalist finds, it doesn't seem that the raid had much to do with aliens, but it makes for a strange story all its own. Again, we see competing narratives. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't seem to have to do with aliens, but it does seem to have to do with technology that Bob claims came from aliens, right? Because like you said, it goes back to that element 115, which Bob claims this element, when you apply radiation to it or expose it to radiation, this element creates its own gravitational field, which would be mind-blowing and incredible, if true. Uh, And if true the feds and other government agencies would probably want to have their hands on it because as, as we've talked in the past, the government is very much compartmentalized. There's not great communication between departments often and between intelligence agencies and, you know, DOJ and, and all kinds of things like that. I'm not saying it isn't great at times when, when the communications need to be fully on, but often there's a bit of working in the dark when it comes to what what other agencies are doing. True. One hand may not know the actions of the other hand. Uh, that's, that's simply a fact. That's a really good point, too. Um, yeah. So, again, this idea, this idea that the raid may have an ulterior motive, especially that second raid, it all goes back to this purported element 115. Uh, And Lazar will be, um, he has some interesting things to say about this. Uh, He did once describe this element as, quote, a super heavy, 
unique element. When it's exposed to radiation, it produces its own gravitational field, its own anti-gravitational field. And that's what's used to lift and propel the craft. It is suggested, but not explicitly stated, that when Lazar left employment, he stole some amount of this substance and that he may have it today. If you look at the, I feel like we're saying official a lot in here, but if you look at the confirmed element 115, good old Muscovium, you see that it's, it's probably a very difficult thing to store. It has a half-life of a little more than half a second, 0.65 of a second. So it's like, so once you, once you actually create it, that thing decays and, and is no longer element 115. I mean, you think uh, green beans and bananas go bad quickly? They got nothing on Muscovium. Uh, so, <laughs> so, like, don't buy that unless you're cooking it that night. <laughs> Just in case that came up. But, but yeah, so the thinking is that the government wants this stuff back. And that's why law enforcement raided Lazar's business. But the official records seem to indicate that Instead, this raid was in connection with a homicide. Yep. So we've got reports that come from Michigan State Police Sergeant Detective Thomas Rajala. And according to these reports, there was a death that occurred in connection with United Nuclear in 2015, like uh, the end of 2015. There's a uh, person named Janelle Struzel, S-T-R-U-Z-L. And Struzel was, at least according to this report, poisoned died of thallium toxicity. And thallium is one of these things that United Nuclear probably may, we are unsure, had its hands on or had available, right? Thallium sulfate. It's a colorless, odorless, tasteless substance. And it is sometimes referred to as the, quote, poisoner's poison because of how toxic it is and how difficult it is to detect once it's been deployed. Yeah, Yeah, so the idea is that, or the belief was that Janelle Struzel's husband, a romantic partner, had poisoned her with thallium sulfate, and Lazar's company sells thallium. So the police were there to learn more about who he may have sold this material to. It's important to note, Lazar was not and has never been listed as a suspect in this in this homicide at all. They just wanted to see, at least from their side, they wanted to see if they could connect the dots, a chain of command for this poison or substance used as such. And Lazar says sometime in March 2017, a woman had provided him with an element collection from her brother who had passed. And he said that he took possession of this and he agreed to sell it on his website. According to the official reports and to Lazar himself, thallium was one of the elements in that collection. And he says thallium something we never carried before. It was donated to us by the family of an element collector that died. So now we've had now we have this collection of stuff basically we would we would not ordinarily carry, right? So He is uh, fully cooperating with law enforcement, by the way, the entire time. He's fully compliant. He's not trying to, you know, he's not like the viral clips on YouTube of someone saying, am I being detained? Am I being detained, bro? Uh, Everything they asked for, he gave it to him. 
uh, in May later that year, Jeremy Corbell was speaking with a couple of news outlets, uh, particularly a British outlet called Express. And he said, there's a quote, he said, we believe the official intent of the raid was a cover story and that they were looking for a piece of the fuel source for the extraterrestrial craft Lazar once worked on for the United States government at Area 51. So then we see, you know, we see the other side. We, we see these allegations that maybe, surprise, surprise, the government isn't being completely honest about their intentions. Uh, they, Lazar and Corbell both say this was part of a sustained surveillance campaign. Uh, and in the documentary that, Matt, you, you mentioned just a bit ago, you can see them discuss the possibility of Lazar having possession of something like this. And the police search occurred very shortly after this conversation, according to Bob and Jeremy, right? Yeah, and it's really weird. In in the documentary, at least, uh, Jeremy and Bob report that the 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 investigators, the people who actually came to to raid the facility, were they were able to again, according to these two guys, they were able to re- repeat back much of the same conversation that Jeremy and Bob were having, where they were discussing this element one fifteen in private. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's as though there was some kind of ongoing investigation into either Bob or Jeremy or both of them. Right. Right. Exactly. And something way beyond the idea that your your phone might listen to you and then target a Facebook ad or something like that. Or or, um, I don't know, an Instagram ad, whatever it whatever has the most sand. So active surveillance is what they're talking about. And that's not out of the realm of possibility. That is something that the U.S. government can, has, and can do, has is done. Is doing. And is doing right now as we record. So everybody, say hey to Steve. They're in this one. <laughs> yeah, hey. say hey to Steve, our hapless NSA intern over there at the Puzzle Palace. Hope college is going well, man. <laughs> and thanks for tuning in as always, even though it's your job. So it looks like... According to the statements from the Michigan police, they had already gotten search warrants a day before Jeremy and Bob are having this conversation. So we see these two competing narratives, the idea that the feds were tracking down thallium as it might have been connected to a homicide, and the idea that the raid's official purpose was a cover-up to obtain something much more unusual. As we said, Lazar fully cooperates. Uh, He doesn't believe the official reasoning about thallium, but he says, you know, anything they asked for, he gave them. He complied. Uh, He also noted that it seemed the feds were much more interested in getting access to his business's computers rather than finding thallium. Uh, there There is a thing, though, and this is interesting. I don't think this is hard proof. Uh, someone goes on Reddit shortly after, and they say that they work at United Nuclear and that the raid was due to this case of thallium poisoning. And so so at least one person claiming to be an employee claims that the official story is legit. And this is, you know, ah, where do we go from here? Well, Well, the thing is, like, you have to decide what you're going to believe here, right? Do you believe the story coming from Bob? Do you believe the story coming from the official reports on the investigation? Uh, the 
uh, <laughs> the story about thallium is a legitimate reason. There was a death, a murder, right? A homicide that needs to be investigated where they're, they need to investigate the origins of the murder weapon, which was a poison, right? Or, or you believe that you, well, in order to believe Bob's story about the reason the raid occurred, you have to believe that Bob worked at the secret facility S4, right, near Area 51, Ooh. that he Ooh. worked on extraterrestrial craft, that extraterrestrial craft was there, that uh, he was able to take some of the element that causes that craft to be able to fly and was hiding it at his facility and the government wanted that element. So there's a lot that you have to believe in order to believe that statement, right? In the other instance, you all you have to do is believe that someone writing a report about an FBI raid and a murder told the truth. So it's just, it's a tough, it's a tough thing to not be skeptical about, I think. Yeah, no, that's a very good point and well put. Uh, the other thing is, Government raids always seem suspicious. They're expensive. The feds don't do them for funsies necessarily. Uh, It's also strange that the thing that keeps getting me is that if Bob Lazar, and this is not a ding on the character of the person at all, but uh, the question is, if these claims are wholly or even partially true, then how is this guy still out and about walking? speaking publicly, living a day-to-day life of, as a civilian. Uh, Lazar seems to be pretty careful about some things. He said that if he did have a sample of Element 115, he would absolutely not reveal it, despite knowing this would confirm his story and also absolutely rock the foundations of modern chemistry. So I don't yeah. understand that last bit. I don't understand. Well, maybe it's a worry about physical danger, you know, from their side, if we're assuming that perspective. Uh, Look, if it wasn't clear, folks, I know we're going a little long here. Skeptics hate this guy. Uh, They object to him. You can find no no shortage of uh, investigations that call into question some of these claims. Some ufologists, like Stanton Friedman, who we mentioned earlier, also don't particularly cotton to him. And a lot of experts in various STEM fields have dismissed his claims and explanations as pseudoscience. But again, there are some seemingly true parts of the story. He did work for that contractor. He also, uh, and props to Jeremy Corbell here, uh, Lazar describes a security device employed at Area 51 when he supposedly worked there. And it was a hand scanner that would measure the length, bone length and use that to confirm someone's identity. Uh, Jeremy did find evidence, ph- photographic evidence, that a device like this was being used during the late 1980s to secure, you know, top secret facilities. But again, on the other side, skeptics will point out that this device, which is called the Identimat 2000, 1000, 1000, uh, was public knowledge by the early to mid-1970s. That part is also true. The Identimat 3000 is just me, and I go, yep, it's you. Yep. <laughs> We've got top security here and stuff they don't want you to know. Uh, so also, we have to note that, again, Lazar came forward before Area 51 officially existed. Uh, this 
I don't think it was until like 2013 or so that uh, can declassified CIA documents confirm the existence and location of the place. But again, as we said at the top, this is just scratching the surface. We welcome you to the deja vu moments we have experienced uh, every time we talk about Bob Lazar, and we may need to return to the case in the future. Definitely. I would just point out that Google Maps, at least in my experience, uh, unearthed Area 51 much earlier. In the <laughs> right, early right. early 2000s. <laughs> Which is such a surreal thing because, you know, you work for Uncle Sam and you're supposed to pretend it doesn't exist. Even if, uh, even if you have like relatives or kids or your kids' friends who are coming up to you with a printout of a Google map, you know. <laughs> Uncle Jim, what's this? I don't There's see nothing anything. there yeah. in the desert. <laughs> That's just... A lake bed. <laughs> Why is my men in black light not working? Okay, yeah, you know what? That, that's a piece of paper. That's what that is. <laughs> Who wants pizza? So uh, just change the subject, right? That's pretty easy with kids. So this, this is the thing. We're left with questions now. One, if the story is true, logically, why is Bob Lazar being allowed to live an ordinary day-to-day life? Uh, His supporters will say that he is not living an ordinary life. He is intensely surveilled at all times, right? That's that's one of the claims. But then if the story is untrue, why has it garnered so much attention? Is it just because people like the story? They like the X-Files of it? Um, It's a cool story, no matter whether it's true or not true. mm -hmm. And, And that's the thing. It goes back to the truth. I mean, most importantly, I think you and I can agree, and hopefully you listening at home, it seems like someone is not telling the truth. Whether that's the feds or whether that's Bob Lazar himself, there's clearly something they don't want you to know. But what is that exactly? Depends on who you ask. So now we're asking you, fellow conspiracy realist, what do you think? Can you explain it to us? Can you send us element 115? Yeah, uh, please, please. Sure. There are there are so many books about Bob Lazar's life and story that you can read right now if you're into it. By the way, and we highly recommend you do that. And then write to us, uh, find us on social media, call us, whatever you want to do, and tell us about that. Also, before you even contact us, consider buying our book, Stuff They Don't Want You to Know. It's coming out in October. You can pre-order it right now, and we talk about ufos extensively uap and the phenomena in that book so if you're interested in this topic i highly recommend you purchase stuff they don't want you to know written by ben bullen and matt frederick and noel brown and in association with (laughs) uh quesadilla production and uh you know i i really like the way noel put it when we're talking about this earlier he said this could get annoying if we're talking about this too much uh even though our lives are at stake uh noel pointed out that this is kind of like a public radio pledge drive rules right (laughs) we'll stop talking about it as soon as you donate (laughs) And if you want to, uh, if you want to talk with us about something else, or if you want to talk with us uh, about the book, uh, a lot of people who won the sweepstakes are getting their signed posters now. Thank you for playing along, folks. Congratulations <laughs> on the scribbles 
that are all of our signatures. <laughs> mm-hmm. And big, big thanks as always to Nick Turbo Benson. Please check out his art. He's amazing. We're very lucky to work with him. Uh, but if you want to talk about anything uh, and you don't sip the social meads, you can give us a phone call right now. Uh, be careful. Sometimes the abyss calls back. Yes, it often does. Call one eight three three stdwytk When you call in, give yourself a cool nickname. We don't care what it is. You've got three minutes. Say whatever you'd like. Please include at the end of that message whether or not you give us permission to use your voice and name on the air. If you've got more to say than can fit in three minutes, why not instead send us a good old-fashioned email? We are conspiracy at iheartradio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media. But now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Thank you. 